I'm Aaron. This is Paul. This is Wayne. And this is Tim. Howdy, 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 guys. Woo. So, Paul, I, th- I think I mentioned last week that I've been watching the uh, the old Stars um, original series Spartacus. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm into season three now of the mm. four-season uh, Spartacus television show. That's new and, you Spartacus, know, right? Oh, no, that's the prequel, right? Well, no, set, the second season was the prequel. Okay. And, you know, I, I didn't – I've always wanted to watch Spartacus, just never got around to it. And one of my reasons – uh, when I when it was streaming on the Stars app, uh, I didn't watch it. I never could figure out which order to watch the show in because they, they did not list it back in the day as season one, season two, season three, etc. They listed it as like you know, uh, Spartacus, Blood and Sand, Spartacus, Vengeance. You know, and I'm like, what order do you watch this damn thing in? You know, um, so I didn't follow any of the news around that show. And did not uh, did not know that the whole reason that they that the second season was a prequel was because uh, the star of the show, the actor playing Spartacus, Andy Whitfield, Andy, yeah, I want to say that's something like yeah. That. I, I apologize for not getting his name right, um, but uh, he was diagnosed with non-Hodgkin's uh, lymphoma, and uh, uh, so he, he went into remission, but they needed to shoot the show. So they did an abbreviated season of six episodes. And so it's really weird to see, you know, characters who died in the very last episode of season one, all of a sudden be the stars of season two. Um, but I got to tell you that season two is so effective. Have you seen that that season? Yes. Yes. That's the one that focuses primarily on um, Baltus. Is that the guy's name? Uh, Gannicus. Gannicus. Gannicus and and uh, Bartiatus. Yes. Yeah. I, and, you know, I, I did like those two, but I, I'm I'm I want to hear what you have to say about season three because the cheese fell off the cracker for me then. Well, I, you know, season three is 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 a hard a hard meal to sit through because uh, you know when I when you're in season two you're like what but where's Spartacus you know because you know you really get to like Spartacus in the first season and of course he doesn't show up you know in season two. Uh, but you eventually become to really like Gannicus and 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 those guys, um, and then it's you've got a, another hard shift with a new actor playing Spartacus because the actor uh, who you know was playing Spartacus in season one actually passed away. You know he the in fact at the end of the first episode of season three they do a little dedication slide to him at the end. Uh, which was nice, but you know, you've got this brand new actor who is, I'm three, maybe four episodes into season three, and I don't like him near as much, you know, and, I, and I'm trying to get past that, you know, new Coke thing, but uh, I, I am not enjoying him near as much. And part of the problem is that you're not spending near as much time in the arena, and it was a lot of fun being in the arena in seasons one and two. Yeah. So I'm I'm having some issues with season three. I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna power through and hope it gets better. But I I I, I fear my my diagnosis is gonna be much as uh, as uh, as Tim as my Google review will read the cheese fell off the cracker, <laughs> and it fell it, it fell into the blood and the sand. So <laughs> I, I think that might be a new instead of jump the shark, the cheese fell yeah. off the cracker. Yeah, yeah. So, but I'm I'm still watching, but it, you know it's funny. Uh, it has, I, I started watching. I started watching Spartacus after I started reading a book uh, about Caesar, 
you know, and it, and it tells the story of, of Caesar kind of like from cradle to grave, Julius Caesar, the first Caesar. And uh, so a, a part of, of the book talks about uh, Caesar's involvement in the third slave war, which was Spartacus's war. And there's just, I mean, they talk about it maybe like for two seconds in the book, right? I mean, it is a, it is a tiny reference to Spartacus and the slave in the third slave war. And so I immediately go, well, I, I want to know more about that. And so I was actually looking for the Kirk Douglas Spartacus, which I've seen, you know, a half dozen times, but you know, in context, I wanted to see it again. And that didn't stream uh, on any, any of the services that I currently pay for, but I did see that the the, the stars series out there, and that's what st started me uh, watching it. And then I got more and more interested in Spartacus, so I read I, I got an audio book that is it's called uh, Hourly History on Spartacus and the Slave Wars, and you know it it blows my mind that so many of the characters that are in the show are actually historical figures. Like I, I, I thought Crixus was made up the guy that, uh, I forget the actor's name, but he's the same guy who played Deathstroke in, uh, Arrow. Manu Bennett. Thank you. Manu Bennett, a uh, real live guy. Animaeus, the, the, uh, the, uh, uh, black actor who plays uh, Doctore. He, uh, he, he's a real live character. I mean, all these, all these guys, Bardiatus, those guys are all real live historical figures. And I was just, I was like, wow, I just, I thought Spartacus was, Spartacus and Caesar were the real people in this show. I didn't realize that so many of the others were actual real people. Yeah, you wouldn't so. think so, given the show, how exaggerated the show is. Oh, know? yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 But, you know, I do, I, I don't know if you had this problem when you were watching it, Paul's. I, I, I have begun walking around the house talking as if I am in, you know, uh, you know, in, in, in the Roman Republic as, uh, you know, depicted in Spartacus, you know, Please firmly apply cock to ass, you know, like that. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure walking around the house yelling that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, in the office, you in know. the office, yeah, no problems whatsoever. <laughs> okay, that was your Roman minute with with Aaron. So uh... <laughs> we'll we'll check back in next week to see how Spartacus season three goes. That's right. That's right. Well, in the meantime, Wayne, you went and saw Into the Spider-Verse, which I'm very interested in hearing about. Spoiler-free, of course, because I have not yet seen yep. it. Yeah, so I've, I've been excited about this based on the uh, kind of the trailers and all. Um, it is naturally alternate realities, and they took great advantage of that. So it's its its own story around Miles. I hated the artwork, and I knew I was going to going in, but the story was so good that I was able to overlook the fact that I hated the art style. And it definitely is an artistic choice for the style they're using. But yeah. everyone seems to just, enjoy the art style, so and I'm I'm surprised to hear that. You didn't care for it. You shouldn't be surprised. We you know how yeah. I feel about stylistic art. <laughs> very very fair point. Did did Umberto Ramos work on this movie? <laughs> <laughs> no, it is very much a modern kind of hip Spider Man story. Uh the story, though, was very well done. They they surprised me in their willingness to kill characters. There are some things I didn't like about the story that we can talk about once you guys have seen it. But it very much was a strong Miles story done as Miles should be, as a legacy character. And my uh, looking through the characters, I'm a huge Spider-Ham fan, but he had no real reason to be in the story. I didn't do anything with him. So, so Spider-Ham was not... Uh, so you were disappointed in the depiction of, of, of Spider-Ham. 
Yeah, just because he didn't really have a point. It's just let's do a little slapstick <laughs> here and there. Maybe maybe know, it was a case. I know Aaron's thinking he never did, but <laughs> he did, Aaron. The spectacular porker, the spectacular spider ham. Yes, I grew up on those comics. <laughs> Same here. <laughs> now, the story gets pretty dark in a few places. It's uh, it takes the story fairly seriously. It's a good Miles story where you get it's not just Spider-Man with a, you know, a shade over it saying it's Miles. It is Miles's character and he is very much Miles and the interaction between Miles and his father and his uncle are all really good, very well very well done characters. I said I don't like the art style of it, but that's I knew that going in. I mean, I'm I don't like stylized art and it was very stylized and very new and hip art, which I'm an old curmudgeon, but I really enjoyed it okay. despite the art. I'm looking forward to seeing it. Yeah, me too. Aaron, are you going to see it in the theaters or are you going to wait till Blu-ray? Uh, it will. Do, if I can see it over the holidays, I'll see it in the theaters if I if I get time. But there's I've actually have a a growing list of movies I would like to see before the end of the year. Yeah, same here. And you know, like he, comes out in next week, guys. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and and uh, you know, uh, it's certainly outside of our genre. But I really want to see the Mule with Clint Eastwood. I do and, too. Uh, uh, and that I, looks really good. I, I, I haven't seen any ads for it. It, it looks pretty decent, and you know, not to go completely off the the range here, but there's a documentary I want to see. <laughs> What's the documentary? It's called Free Solo. It's about a, a mountain climber, um, kind of like doing this dangerous climb, and it just looks really interesting. It's got a 98% on Rotten Tomatoes uh, critic score, and 95% audience score. Wow. So people are people are digging it. Yeah, I'll have to look out there and see if there's anything else I plan on seeing for the rest of the year. I will say, even though it's a Sony movie, not a regular Marvel one, stay for after the credits. Very good after credits scene. Cool. Well, we're going to see see Aquaman for sure. Yeah. (laughs) No, I'm I'm seeing Aquaman next week. And uh, uh, I I expect to see the mule. I think there was one or two others, but... uh, uh, yeah, it's it's you know we are we have an embarrassment of riches coming into the holidays for uh, for movies. Well, and on uh, television as well, right? So, you know, we had that Elseworlds crossover air this week. I you know we're we're going to be spoiler free because uh, I know a lot of people have this queued up on their DVRs and haven't watched it yet. But I got to tell you, I don't watch any of the uh, of the uh, CW superhero shows. And as they're aired, I, I tend to stream them once they hit Netflix. Um, as such, you can walk right into this thing and you don't have to have known what's going on. They tell you everything you need to know. And I got to tell you, the production quality on these on these crossovers they're doing has really improved. The story has really improved. I love this thing from beginning to end. Oh, this yeah. is great. And like you're I haven't I'm behind on all of these. I have them on my DVR. I don't wait for Netflix, but I do DVR them. Uh, there are a few spoilers here and there for the shows, but in the mo- for the most part, it was fairly spoiler-free. There were only a few minor things for each of the shows that I like, oh, okay, that's going to happen. Now, I don't know if this is something they've done previously on Supergirl, but when they cut to Earth-38 and they're on uh, the uh, Kent family farm in Smallville, and they play the Somebody Save Me theme song. Yeah. I laughed out loud. Yeah, no, this... I, no, that was the first that, time. 
Yeah, that was the first time they've had Lois on the show. That cracked me the F up. I actually Uh, wondered for a moment. I knew that they had filmed on that set. Yeah. And I didn't know. I don't know my Earth numbers for, you know, for the Arrowverse, basically. So I wondered for a moment, were we about to see Tom Welling? That was my thing. I mean, I was like, you know, for an else for an, an Elseworld show, that would be awesome to have yeah. Tom Welling on. I mean, and, or or uh, who's her face? The the actress who played Lois on the TV show, oh, you know, yeah. on, on on Smallville. Uh, the actress, and you know, they may have introduced her in the current season of of Supergirl because uh, I haven't seen Supergirl in two seasons now. They would have had uh, to get her out of the sex collar. <laughs> that was Chloe. That's Chloe. That's Chloe. <laughs> That's Chloe. Um, but you know, uh, the actress who plays Lois looks significantly older than uh, the actor playing Superman, in my opinion. And I feel like they cast her for the cheekbones because she she has a passing resemblance to Margot Kidder. Yeah, I mean, yeah. she wasn't in the show. She didn't really contribute much to the show. So why is she walking around with a hammer? <laughs> what the hell is that all about? Yeah, well, they were you know, doing stuff. I geeked out about the, the the very first scene of the crossover, seeing the Flash costume from the old yeah. original Flash TV show. Yeah, I kind of geeked out about that. Well, and I love how that actor is has now played three different characters in the CW Flash series. Yeah, you know, I, I just I, I get a real kick out of that. I like you know what what I find amazing is when we were kids. We would have, I mean, just died to have a show like this, right? Uh, that is is so in tune with the comic book background, still doing its own thing, but honoring what's come before. Uh, I, I just, I am amazed at how what a strong job the, uh, you know, what is it, Guggenheim and uh, uh, Greg Berlanti have done creating this this dc universe for television it's they're just doing a marvelous job oh, and i have to say the the comedy as well uh-huh. that first episode of the crossover uh-huh. i was dying laughing in the first 15 minutes oh yeah no it, it the 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 comedy is there and one of the things and this this also put me in mind of when we were kids you know when you'd had a crossover like you know uh, the six million dollar man and the bionic woman when it's the six million dollar man part of the crossover it's all about Steve Austin right and you've got a little bit of Jamie Summers when you've got the bionic woman part of the crossover it's all about Jamie Summers and a little bit of Steve Austin if you took the title cards off of these episodes, it would be difficult to discern, are you watching Arrow? Are you watching The Flash? Are you watching Supergirl? Because they all play such such big parts. Yep. I think the, the, the way you the way the you tell the difference the supporting characters. Exactly. But I mean you're 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 not, you know, all of a sudden, oh gosh, this is the Flash episode because it's all Flash. It was a really strong mix, a true crossover the other actors in each other's uh, uh, back backyards having full robust parts. I just think they've just done a beautiful job with this. And I They're, loved Amazo. Yeah, Amazo was I, really well. The Amazo effects were terrific. So one so Paul, big thing we haven't talked about yet, and I think – well, actually, Paul can throw in on this too because she was in the second episode. Uh, Batwoman? Batwoman. Yep. All right. Yeah. So I liked the crossover. I'm not gushing about it like you guys are. And I had some major issues with it. And part of it boils down to the writing. 
I thought characterizations, I had a lot of fun with that. I had a lot of fun with the humor. I think writing, I had some concerns. Um, I, I, we're gonna, I'm going to delve into mild spoiler territory. But in, in the CW has gone to great lengths to say that Superman and Batman have both been off the table for a while. And they set up this mystery, Batman's been missing for three years. That, quite frankly, I would be shocked if they ever actually resolve in the context of the show. Um, it just kind of seems like, why set that up at all? <laughs> if, you know, it, it seems silly that they have, Batman's been missing for three years, because you know that's not a mystery that they're, that they're probably ever going to explore in, in those shows. First, uh, Paul. There's no such thing as Batman. He's an urban myth, but continue. <laughs> and I do think they would explore it if they do a Batwoman TV show, but only if they do a Batwoman TV show. Yeah. I found it particularly interesting that he exists in both worlds, though, where See, Superman only exists in the one world. And does he? Because that was the weird thing, because that was another issue that I had. There's they, they make references to Batman and Superman being friends and, and specifically Kate Kane of Earth One's cousin being friends with with um, Clark Kent from Earth 38 and I'm like how does that work because there's no Superman in this world how are they friends are they cross earth friends like it, like for me I was like hold on that doesn't jive no I think you were confused by the reference Batman exists in both worlds Batman is friends with Clark in 38 Supergirl's world yeah but oh, there's okay, no Superman. Explain this. Yeah, they, there's no they're Superman. friends because their mother's names are the same. Oh, <laughs> now I know. <laughs> yeah, no, there's no Superman or Supergirl. Their pods never landed in on Earth, Earth One. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay. I I gotta tell you, I I don't think it matters that they resolve the Batman issue. The only reason they bring it up is you need to understand why Batman's not there, right? Uh, the Batman could never show back up. You've got a Batwoman taking care of business. I mean, I don't disagree. It just seems like a silly excuse. It, you know, for me, it, it, the, the, it felt obvious that that's how they explained Batman not being there. But That didn't bother me at all. But I loved Batwoman. Yeah, I thought she did a good job. Yeah, I thought she was well done. Uh, very true to, to the character. Um, I'd be interested to see more of her. And I do have to ask, um, this is something that I guess Wayne would probably know more than, than, than either of us. Has Superman been in any of the shows since his first appearance in, like, season two of Supergirl? Uh, he's been on Supergirl a uh, couple times. Not often, though. Okay. I like, I, honestly, I like this portrayal of Superman. I think he does a really good job with it. I do, too. I the costume is different, but I still like it, and I really like the guy. I was really – I did not much enjoy him in his appearance in, what, season two? Uh, but I really liked him in this. I thought everybody really shined in this, in, in this crossover. I mean, I, it almost put me, you know, I've got like nine or eight episodes of Supergirl sitting on my DVR right now. And I'm like, eh, maybe I'll turn, turn, turn that on. Cause I just get, get bored with Supergirl. Um, but, and, and I think that's one of the things that the, cro that the crossovers do really well is it, you know, gives you a place to jump back into the series and you're, cause I don't feel like it's calling me into Arrow because, oh, yeah, uh, you know, Oliver and Felicity are still having problems. Yeah, I, I, I saw that three seasons ago. Yeah. <laughs> you know, but 
it really made me curious about Supergirl. And I, I really enjoy The Flash. The Flash is a terrific show. I just like to binge it. So I just watch it as soon as it hits Netflix. Yeah, I've been watching Supergirl, trying to get caught up on it. Uh, I'm saving my flashes. I'm, I'll binge watch them as well. Arrow just does not. I have it recorded, but I have no desire to watch it. I hear you. And season two of Arrow is probably one of my favorite television-based comic book things or comic-based television yeah. se- seasons in almost ever. I mean, don't get me wrong. I, I love Daredevil probably more. But in general, I think season two of Arrow is, is cream of the crop. And yeah. right after, it just immediately <clears throat> turned to something that I'm just not interested in watching. Yeah. Arrow you was know, such a good show. And then it just kept doing the same thing over and over and over again. Tim he said something. Grow. Tim said something. I think it was at the end of season four of Arrow where he's like, you know, I've got this. This is where the where the series kind of ends for me. I've had enough Arrow. And, I, and I'm really kind of the same way. I just like, eh, okay, I'm good. You know, you can just bring Oliver in every now and again for a crossover, and that'll be plenty of Oliver for me. You know what would help? I think if Stephen Amell gave us all hugs. <laughs> Real hugs. <laughs> Real hugs. Not that we have hug. a picture. We have a picture. He gave you guys a hug. <laughs> his, his hands hovered behind us. Hubbard. Hubbard. <laughs> well, are, you, are you saying, Paul, that perhaps Stephen Amell has failed this city? <laughs> he, he has failed this podcast. It was uh, so awesome hearing uh, the Flash's uh, actor, uh, Graham Gustin, say that phrase. You're failed this city. <laughs> well, if they want to expand the universe, I, you know, the CW obviously has to diversify. They can't just have DC shows. They have to have their remake of Roswell and their remake of Charmed and, and all those shows as well. Um, I saw the ad for the remake of Roswell and the, yeah. uh, the remake my, of Charmed is really bad. My wife loves the original Roswell. And I mean, if she if she had a tail, it would just be wagging nonstop waiting for the uh, the Roswell reboot. Ah, I mean, she she is giddy with excitement. <laughs> well, now we know who they made it for. Yeah, exactly. Nobody else. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> well, and, and here's the thing. I'm not judging the CW. They have to have more things. But now they have that DC Universe um, streaming service where they can expand. So if they want to do a Batwoman show or a Superman show or any of those, they could probably bring it on there. And one of the reasons I bring that up is a couple things uh, newsworthy happened relating to DC Universe. One, they announced um, that they are going to do day and date releases going forward with all the DC animated features. I tell you what, that, that that makes the subscription awfully worthwhile. Yeah, absolutely. That makes it worth it for me because I haven't really done anything with it. Um, uh-huh. and, and I got to tell you, the the downloadability of it is frustrating to me because I had intended on downloading Titans to watch um, when I was in California uh-huh. last week. And it gave me an error the first like- time. And then the second time it said, you've down- you've exceeded your maximum downloads for this episode. And I'm like, well, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> um, so <laughs> so uh, I, I have not seen Titans yet, but they did have the trailer um come out this week for the season finale that's like robin versus batman because i don't know it is it seems like some type of scarecrow induced fever dream or something like that but at least in the context of the trailer batman has gone rogue because 
uh, Commissioner Gordon has been killed, I guess, by the Joker. And so Batman is turned into a mass murderer um, that Robin and the Titans have to take down. And I got to say, despite the premise being, you know, something we instantly are like, no, no, no. It looks kind of badass, I thought. I still want nothing to do with this show. Have you it watched was interesting. any of it, Paul? I have not, but I've heard it's uneven. So I hear yeah. like it, it alternates in that one episode progresses the story. One episode kind of does like a spotlight on individual members of the team. And I hear the spotlight episodes are meh, but the ones that progress the story are actually really well done. I've read a few articles about things that have happened and it, it basically the articles I've read have kind of uh, reinforced my dislike of what they're doing with the characters, you know, like uh, Nightwing, well, Dick Grayson being willing to let a whole building full of people die. And now Batman's out there trying to kill someone. It's like, I, that's not those characters. Yeah, but you know, not as, in as, any way. as heavily involved as um, Jeff Johns is in this show, I just I feel like I need to give it a shot, and I, I I do want to see it. I just haven't really had an opportunity. Well, yeah, I mean, there's just so many other things to watch. So many other I things mean, that are easily accessible, and that's the thing right. about DC Universe is you know if it was just an app like Netflix is an app in my Xbox, it's an app in my PlayStation, it's an app in my it's an app in my cable yep. box. <laughs> my cable box right. allows right. me to just do it. Well, um, DC Universe, remember, I can that's only why I my phone. Yeah, if you remember, that's why I didn't do it. If right. there was an app for my PlayStation 4, I would have given this a try. And if they eventually do an app, I probably will give it a try, binge watch uh, Young Justice, and then... Because I do want to see the new season of Young Justice. I want to see Stargirl when it comes out. I am I love that character. I'm excited about that. But it has to be convenient for me to watch. I'm not going to stream it on my phone. I'm not going to stream it on my laptop. I want it on my TV. And that no, means I... I want it on my PlayStation 4. I hear you, you know, as as big a Star Trek fan as I am when CBS All Access first hit and you could only do it through your app, through the CBS app. Uh, that was super frustrating. And I am much more uh, much more enjoying the CBS All Access experience now that I can bundle it into my prime experience because I've got apps for prime on my TV, on my DVR. And it, you know, to your point, it just makes the the uh, experience so much more enjoyable. And you know, that's one of the reasons why I haven't subscribed to DC Universe yet. Because while I can certainly Chromecast it to my TV, I hate the Chromecast interface. I hate the the fact that the uh, remote control features from my iPad are so slow to the Chromecast device, and they're not intuitive. I just, I, I hate that. I want to be able to use my regular TV remote to control what's going on on the screen, and you just can't do that through through Chromecast. Uh, so, I, you know, I'll, I'll be much more inclined to subscribe. There is a terrific sale going on, by the way, right now. They've got a, a three-month subscription that's really inexpensive. Yeah. They've got an annual subscription that's really been reduced. Um, and I got I tell you that that day and date feature makes it a whole lot more attractive to me. They'll really close the deal when they have a, a you know, if they can just bundle it into Prime where I pay for it there, I'd be super excited about that. Yeah. And the more characters they cast for Stargirl, the more I get excited about that show and I want to see the app. Yeah. Aaron, they've got they've got Our Man and Wildcat cast. This uh, is shaping up to be a Justice Society show. Right. God, if, they, if they could cast Catman, that would be even better. Oh, uh, that's what he meant to say. <laughs> Catman's already already been cast. <sighs> <sighs> <laughs> well, 
Well, in actual comics that came out this week. Actual comics. Actual comics. Things that you read. Uh, Detective Comics uh, came out this week. De- Detective Comics issue 994, which is the first, um, or I should say the start of the new creative team, Pete Tomasi, Doug Mankey. The countdown to issue 1000, it says in, in big bold letters on the cover. Um, Aaron and I both picked this up. And Aaron, what did you think? Artwork's beautiful. Oh, it I is. mean, you don't you don't expect anything less from Doug Mankey. I mean, it's just beautiful. The uh, big two page spread on the second page with uh, Batman swinging across the rooftops of Gotham is just stunning. Um, it the book is a little frustrating in that it spends a lot of time retelling the uh, death of uh, of Martha and uh, uh, Thomas Wayne. But it does kind of spin it on its head because what you think is a memory of, you know, that, that, that foundational moment for Bruce where his parents are murdered. Somebody has recreated the murder and has left the clues there for uh, Batman to find. And, you know, uh, Commissioner Gordon says, you know, wow, the, you know, this one was my first. And, you know, Batman's like, well, what do you mean? He goes, this was my first double murder, you know. And, uh, you know, somebody has surgically altered these people to look exactly like Thomas and Martha. Uh, It's 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 a really interesting take, uh, asks some big questions. And uh, I I think this is going to be a strong run. I'm glad to see Pete Tomasi and Doug Mankey on this one. Yeah, it's a return to form, right? Uh, You know, absolutely. Comics, you know, this is. It sets up a mystery. Yes, there's some supernatural or some super um, super powered elements to the story, but at the at the gist of it, it's a murder mystery right now. Yeah. Um, you know, and and that's what you want from Detective Comics to delineate it from Batman. Well, you know, and I felt like the stakes were huge in this book because I gotta tell you, the tone was set. I thought for sure, spoilers. Yeah, I thought for sure we were gonna lose uh, Leslie. In I thought this so book. too. Yeah, I was like, "Holy shit, they're gonna kill Leslie off in this book," and there, were, everything was on the wall about you know the the tone that he was setting, and I'm like, you know, this is the first issue of of a uh, of a huge arc for these two creators, leading into a milestone issue number one thousand. Uh, it would not be surprising to see you know a a, a key character such as. Uh, you know, Leslie uh, get axed. And I mean, I, I was stunned that she survived the issue. I was too. And, you know, but it, 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 it puts you in that mindset. It's a, it was a good intense little book. And so I, yeah. it's a good start. I'm glad I hopped back in. Um, if you guys are on the fence about hopping back in, uh, I recommend it. I mean, you, you're not going to get a better creative team on Detective Comics than Pete Tomasi and uh, Doug Mankey, except for Pat Gleason, but he's busy doing uh, action comics right now. Yeah, it was a great book. Big thumbs up. I like this book a lot. And very briefly, I wanted to touch on this week's Superman issue, um, mostly because uh, it features the the very brief, the one page return of of uh, Jonathan Kent, uh, who has who has been aged up to teenage years. Uh, at least, you know, on, all we get is is the last page, right? So we don't know exactly what's going on yet. Um, but another thing I wanted to touch on in this book is the storytelling. I don't know if, if, if Aaron, this worked for you or not, but the, the entire first half of the book is told in two page spread prose. I hate that. Me too. 
I hate that. Um, I number one, it's hard to read digitally. Um, you know, that like, for instance, guided view really doesn't work in that you've got to read it full page. And, uh, I, I just, I, I really hate how that works in a digital found uh, function, but you know, I generally don't like it in print either. Um, I, I want to see, <clears throat> I like a, a two page spread to come out and, and show me the, the drama of the scene. And what this is doing is just showing you this great big epic battle and yeah, <clears throat> Ivan Rice draws the hell out of this book. So I'm not complaining about that. It just feels like narratively the dialogue would be better in uh, more comic panel sequences than these big two-page spreads. I, I liked this issue up until the point where <laughs> Superman pusses out. I mean, he really pusses out on this. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> he is fighting for all the stakes in the Phantom Zone, he and General Zod are fighting side by side to take down Rogel Czar. And they're, you know, Superman's been trapped in the Phantom Zone. Doesn't look like he's got a way out. He was able to free Earth, but it looks like he's stuck. And, you know, he is, Superman is thinking, you know, I've got to communicate to Zod so he understands that we're on the same side because Zod's fighting side by side with him, but he doesn't want it to turn. And so, you know, when uh, Superman just lays out Rogel Czar, uh, you know, he he yells out for Kandor, you know, because he knows that Zod will understand that and that and that uh, Zod will rally to that. So, you know, the two of these guys are invested. Rogel Czar has demonstrated that he can take out a Kryptonian. And so it's important. It is key that these two guys fight side by side to take out Rogel Czar and Superman gets rescued from the Phantom Zone. Ray Palmer, the Atom, pulls him out. And Superman's you – know, what I find amazing is that you know there's all this conversation in the book about super speed and what it's like to function and think in those moments. And Superman takes his sweet damn time catching up with everybody on Earth and then says, yeah, you got to send me back to the Phantom Zone now. And all right, well, you know, we really kind of need you here. And he gets a, he gets an urgent call from the Justice League, whereas he knows it is highly likely that Rogel Czar will kill Zod, and then he's still going to have to deal with Rogel Czar. And Superman just wusses out on the whole thing yeah. and goes off and, and takes care of other stuff. And, I mean, if I'm Superman, you know, I would say, what would you do if I wasn't here? Do that. Yeah. I, it just it blows my mind, the, the decision-making here. Uh, his decision should have been, I've got to go back to the Phantom Zone and resolve this issue with Rogel Czar because Rogel Czar is the planetary threat. Yeah, you had the San Andreas Fault rocking, but how does that compare with the life of the entire Earth? Because Rogel Czar has said, my intent is to destroy your world. Yeah. He, Rogel Czar was the priority there. I don't disagree. And, you know, you can see his regret at the decision, but, you know... It, uh, clearly, they're setting up, but I, I like it's. But I guess that's the point, right? Brian Michael Bendis set up this unity saga, where you mm -hmm. know, and and even Zod is, says at the, in the book, "I had a dream." Like, I he right. had the dream of unity, and then Superman abandoned him. You know, like it's it's yeah. taken away from Zod, and it's taken away from us. So, you know, to a certain extent, I think we're feeling like we're supposed to feel about it. Oh yeah. No, yeah, I, I feel like the writer is doing exactly what he set out to do. I just don't think that's the decision Superman would have made. Fair point. 
So, but I'm, I'm curious to see, like I said, John Kent only pops up in one page in this issue, so can't really speak much about it, but. Well, and, and let me, let me say one thing that I, I just think is awfully disingenuous. So the cover features Superman looking over his shoulder, surprised by, you know, the silhouette of his son, Jonathan Kent, who's got the smoldering heat ray vision, you know, eyes all slanty, like he's up to no good, right? The last panel of the book in which John is there is like, hey, dad, don't be freaked out, you know? I mean, and, and he's he, he's just like, hey, you know, uh, like any kid would do after they've been out past curfew. Hey, dad, uh, there's nothing menacing or terrible about his son no. in that moment. But yeah, that's what they sold you on the cover. Good point. Yeah, because on the on the it's just it, it seems like a happy moment. Sun's behind him. Everything looks happy. Everyone's smiling. Yeah. Yeah. So I. But, you know, I, I don't agree with the approach to artificially age him up. Uh, I, I liked John. I think we had more. We needed more time with John at the age he was. And I, and I just hate that, you know, you're supposed to age slower in space. <laughs> but uh, apparently you age faster where he went. Apparently. Yeah, I, I'm going to go back to my fuck Brian Michael Bendis <laughs> for what he for what he's done to those characters for what. Uh, what's happened with Superman and Lois and now for Jonathan's aging when you're right, we needed more time with him growing into this. Well, here's the thing. They've taken away everything I was enjoying about the book. And I'm, I'm not far be it for me to, to defend Bendis, but I think change had to happen. I think what we liked about the, the Pete Tomasi and um, Dan Jurgens runs on Superman and action comics or, or what we loved would have eventually gotten stale, but it was not there yet. Right. And I so just think the, there were more the, stories to tell. Yeah. The change yeah. happened am, too quickly. I think I am so tired of the, you know, the aging of children characters to make them suddenly older, let them grow up at a, a pace within the story. Paul, we've had 80, 80 some years of the status quo and we had maybe four good years of, of the of the dynamic that we're talking about yeah not even really but all i can say is is that i love that comic that was my comic of the year last year if i remember right yeah i'm not reading any superman anymore well and i can't i I do not care for that uh super sons uh 12 issue maxi series i mean it it doesn't have the same tone as uh the series that that we were getting with uh with uh, Jonathan and Damien. Yeah, I uh, dropped off of that quick. Same here. Same here. I just, uh, I, I'm, I'm frustrated by this. I feel like, you know, it's change for change's sake. And, you know, Brian Michael Bendis came in and hit everything with a hammer. And some of it's working and a lot of it's not. So. I agree. I, I, I yeah. certainly agree. And I think, you know, I'm, I'm giving this some, a couple more issues. I'm curious to see where this storyline goes. But eventually, unless something really turns around, I will probably drop out. There yeah. are other books out there. That, that are worth spending my money and time on. Are there, Paul? Are there? Well, there are a couple. I mean, next week, the being the week before Christmas, not a ton comes out next week. Um, you know, we get new issues of Batman and, uh, you know, Justice League and, and things like that. But it's mostly trade paperbacks and collections trying to for those last-minute Christmas shoppers. Um, but in the meantime, uh, Netflix dropped their uh, Chilling Adventures of Sabrina Christmas special this past week. So it's Ooh, I didn't know it was now. out. Yep. So it is out now. And 
uh, next Friday or Thursday, I guess, in, in advance showings, uh, Aquaman will be out in theaters and Bumblebee. And, and Mary Poppins. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I knew I'd get a reaction out of Tim. <laughs> if you go see Mary Poppins before you see Aquaman, punch yourselves in the face. <laughs> I think they're I think they're they're releasing it as a double feature. Yeah, sign <laughs> yourself yeah. up. Punch yourself in the face. <laughs> All right, well, uh, guys. I guess we'll see y'all next week. Sounds good. Bye, everybody. All right. Bye. Bye. Podcast theme music graciously provided by Mark Andrew Pope. For more information, visit markandrewpope.com. Funny Books with Aaron and Polly is a production of ideologyofmadness.com. No Spider-Man clones were harmed in the production of this podcast.